0: Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there.
1: It's important for parents, especially white parents, to talk to their kids
0: because if not, it's going to hit them with a ton of brick later on as they get older. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 249, Today, we're talking to Carolyn Halsall and Joy Harris-Smith about how to talk to kids about diversity. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast, now with over a million downloads. Here it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clarkfield's Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting course, and I'm the author of Raising Good Humans A Mindful Guide to Breaking the Cycle of Reactive Parenting and Raising Kind, Confident Kids. Welcome back to the podcast, my friend. I hope that you are doing well. And of course, a special welcome to new listeners. This is going to be a powerful episode. In just a moment, I'm going to sit down with Carolyn Helsell and Joy Harris-Smith, authors of the book, The ABCs of Diversity, Helping Kids and Ourselves Embrace Our Differences. Talking about diversity, right? Like we need to talk about these things, but it can be hard. It can be comfortable talking about racial diversity and lifestyle differences, right? So, the thing is, it's our job. It's our job to raise the next generation to respect and learn from people who look or believe differently than we do. Carolyn and Joy offer practical ways to build compassion and empathy in our children. And we talk about, you know, how we have to practice restraint when answering questions from kids, how our kids watch everything we say. Once again, it always comes back to modeling. It really, really matters and how actually food can be a really cool point of entry into experiencing different cultures. Right? Pretty cool. I love this. So I know you're going to love this episode. Please, of course, take a screenshot and let me know where you're listening and what your takeaways are and I will love to see that I'm looking forward to doing it I think that this conversation about diversity is something that was so so needed right we can clearly see it's so so needed that we have to make change and we can make change in our own lives right we want to change the world let's start with our own lives and if we can do things in our own lives that makes all the difference in the world really is awesome. So I am so psyched for you to dive into this conversation. Let's get to it. Carolyn, Joy, thank you guys both for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast.
2: Thanks for having me. Yes, thanks for
0: having me. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. A friend of mine put your book in my hands and your, your timing, well, as we talked about, maybe like book tour-wise is not so good, but your timing for for this book, The ABCs of Diversity, is really good, right? Because we are really seeing how much we, we need this work and how to talk to kids about it and how to understand it more in our own lives. So, Um, so this is, this is awesome. I'm so glad that you're able to do this. And this book just kind of popped into my life. Um, and you both shared talking about this book from different perspectives. Carolyn, you're a white person and joy, you're African-American black person, right? So you come together and share these different perspectives, which I really appreciate. I love that combining together. And you talk about how, The language of diversity is a new language. And I was wondering if you could like talk to that a little bit more because a lot of us, like as parents were raised in this, like, you know, we're all just one kind of generation, I think like uh, me, at least as a 42 year old, like we were kind of raised in that way. And we, of course, know now that's not, wasn't so effective. So what is the difference in this language that we need right now? Anyone want to take
2: that?
1: (laughs) Go go for it, Carolyn. (laughs) Uh,
2: Well, the language of diversity is this idea that all of us come from such different backgrounds and just assuming that we all speak the same language assumes that we share the same experiences. And so what we're trying to do in this book is help people acknowledge that there is this language of diversity. There is this ability to talk across our differences, but it has to be learned. It's not mm-hmm. something that our parents can necessarily uh, just give to us or the ones that raised us gave to us, uh, but mm-hmm. it's something that we can learn uh, and that, that that's one of the tools that we're hoping to give readers of this book.
1: And I think if I can add to that, it would be the fact that it has to be an, an intentional, um, you know, you have to be intentional about doing that. Um, we don't all speak the same language and just like we put an effort to learn a language, uh, whether we're required to or whether we just want to, it has, there has to be an intentionality. And I think given our current social climate that is extremely evident, is that if we're not intentional about it, it's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, or it's gonna be pretty unskillful, you know, and mm-hmm. it's gonna get pulled into different sides of extremes and things like that. It seems like so and I love the way you guys talk about the you acknowledge the the difficulties, right? You acknowledge that we have these patterns within us that prevent us from kind of engaging with this. Like, so I know that there's a lot of that it's difficult, right? Like we're seeing that for a lot of people that it's difficult to to there's, you know, just the whole like Black Lives Matter has brought up a lot of difficulty for a lot of different people. And it's hard for people to sometimes engage with that. And I love the way you name that, these patterns. So maybe if you could you want to share what those what those patterns are. You talk about them as the ABCs, right? Like so uh, so, I don't know, Joy. You want to share what what are what are those patterns that we that we the way we pull back, right? Um, um, that keep us from engaging.
1: Sure, I'm just going to bring it up now because yeah. um, as we're talking about <laughs> children, I have two littles, oh. um, a a, a four year old and a, a five year old who are very much um, in my in my space. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just bringing it up right now. Just give me one second. Okay, Eden. Okay. I, and I apologize because she, she's literally right on top of me. Uh, here it is. All right. Um, uh, here we are. Okay. So the first we have, the book is framed with three different sets of ABCs and I'll do the first. Um, and I guess that will give Carolyn time if she would like to do the second, or I can do them all. Um, it's automatic ABCs. So it's that these, these ABCs, these are unhelpful, but, but predictable responses. Um, the A stands for afraid. The B stands for backing away. And the C stands for control. And these are unhelpful responses to learning the language of diversity. Um, so if you're afraid, you ask yourself, what makes you feel afraid in this space? Um, when you notice yourself backing away, the physically backing away, um, you're asking yourself why, especially when you, you, know, when you notice that. And then control. If you notice the impulse to control the circumstances, the conversation, where you're going, what you're doing, if it's possible, you know, observe those reactions, write them down. And then rather than running away from them, you know, you know give yourself an opportunity to really just confront them. Um, what is helpful about these ABCs is that this first set is that these are all bodily visceral reactions that we have, um, and sometimes they're just unconscious. Um, mm-hmm. And so, again, there goes that intentionality piece We're asking people, particularly adults, to start to go, oh, to notice, to slow down for a minute. Um, and again, given our social context, right, we've, we've, we've had to slow down. Um, and start to notice these aspects of ourselves.
0: I love this because it's mindfulness, right? Like you, you don't use that word, but it's mindfulness. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, check inside, notice this feeling of like maybe there's this fear, maybe there's this backing away. And you're right. Like, I think it's generally unconscious. People just often register like maybe a discomfort feeling and that like, this is what mindfulness asks us to do is to, is to look at like, what are these places of discomfort and, and, what they what they're teaching us. And I, that's exactly what you're doing and saying that and acknowledging that, yeah, okay. So if you're, yeah, dear not. listener, like entering yeah, into a situation not. where there's differences and diversities, oh, yeah. then you're, you're um, that it's this is natural. This may be a natural response for you or a habitual response. And that's okay. Like that's normal. I love the way that like this normalizes that. But you invite this, this mindfulness to say, okay, yes, this is here. And then you offer like, what do we do with this? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you want to take it from there as far as like what, you know, these kind of intentional, like the ways that we can then engage it. Like, okay, I'm noticing this fear, noticing this discomfort, noticing I kind of want to back away or I want to talk too much because I, you know, or whatever. How do we engage with that?
2: Yeah. Well, um, if you don't mind, Joy, I can take the next one. Um, The ABCs of intentional engagement. So once we've acknowledged that we have this fear, this sense of wanting to back away or this desire to control, once we kind of activate that kind of uh, intentional uh, awareness, then we kind of get to move towards becoming more intentional. How do I engage with this difference that's in my midst, whether it's a new cultural experience or talking to someone and realizing that they have a different perspective than I, I do. Um, it can be a number of different situations in which we're present and we notice these reactions coming up. And the second set of ABCs, uh, the A stands for acknowledge. So it's that, that moment of awareness, of becoming aware of those un, unhelpful initial responses. And the B stands for being present as a way of kind of accepting, okay, this is where I am. This is the discomfort I'm feeling. I don't need to run away from those feelings. I'm just gonna sit here with that. Uh, and actually with the C, We learn to come closer. We learn to enter into that discomfort, staying in that situation, whatever it is that's made us uncomfortable, and we try to actually come closer. Maybe it's even moving in closer proximity to the person that that we have backed away from and staying in this conversation. Uh, And coming closer may also be becoming more engaged in your community with whatever discomfort uh, you're experiencing there. Uh, so it's, a, it's a, a moment of intentionally engaging with uh, whatever it, situation is, is inviting you to consider this language of, of difference uh, through acknowledgement, being present, and coming closer, this kind of entering into the space to say, okay, I'm going to fully engage with this moment of diversity and difference.
0: I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains.
3: Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back.
0: Awesome. I I love this instruction, but so how do we do this? How have you guys done this in your own lives? Like when, and you've had some moments and whatever.
2: Well, I shared this experience, I think later in the book when I'm talking about maybe political differences. <laughs> uh, I, I was at a, a family event uh, where it's just me and my husband with my kids and then uh, two of my sister's kids. And they're older than my kids. They're like in high school or young adulthood. And then Um, some other kids that are early, you know, teens and tweens, and we start getting around the table and something political comes up. And all of a sudden I'm learning about these perspectives of my nieces that are very different from my own political background. And so as I'm, as I'm reflecting on it afterwards, immediately I kind of want to control the conversation. You know, I kind of want to (laughs) steer it a little differently and, (laughs) and get my nieces to think a little differently. but rather than, than having that kind of impulse, I, I think if I had been more intentional about coming closer, I could have learned more from that experience. So I'm, I, I, it's, it's not a, a positive example of how I was able to do it, but rather thinking back, if I had had the, the presence of mind to say, wow, they have a very different view. And rather than me feeling like I needed to control or you know, back away what if I had just acknowledged this difference and was present with that and, and moved closer, which would have meant asking them more questions and getting to know them more to figure out where this particular uh, idea was was coming from. I may have learned more and deepened that relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's like this curiosity. But we all have this kind of impulse to like, if we're feeling uncomfortable, to like fix it, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Joy, have you had any of those? Like, so how do you... Uh, I mean have have you had this in your own life like noticing these impulses noticing this backing away but then engaging with that coming closer
1: yes um one of the stories that i mentioned in the book um, is um my children and i were coming we live in a a co-op a cooperative and um, we were coming up in the elevator and um there was someone in the elevator and um you know you they were neighborly. They said hello. We said hello and got off the elevator on the first floor. We get to the door. And, you know, you, as a parent, sometimes you can kind of feel or sense something coming. Your kid is about to say something. <laughs> going, and just as I'm getting the key in the door, my son goes, so is that a boy or a girl? And I'm going, oh, God. <laughs> um, and and. It was just kind of like, and the, and the elevator door hadn't started closing yet. So it's lingering. And I tried to not, I tried to ignore it. Yeah. Um, um, and so after, you know, so then he asked again, and the door elevator still hasn't closed. It's and scary. I'm going, oh my God. So I said, well, take a deep breath. And I'm like, so what do you think? and then he starts to kind of giggle he's like well I think it's a uh I think he might have said it was a female I don't remember exactly what his response was and I said well you might be right and um I said but the you know the important point is that they're neighborly and that's what's most important um and if I can just say really quickly even at one of the neighborhood grocery stores there's a transgender man that has been standing outside and he has uh, she has been Um, you know, just offering her assistance if people need help with groceries and, um, really wonderful and personable, but because of our societal situations and the the culture of the community, people really kind of, they kind of, you know, first, and then as they realize this person's a really nice person, you see people's guard kind of, they tend to kind of calm down because they're just trying to make money um and trying to earn something during this Mm -hmm. time and but that you know it's it can be challenging so i had to engage it i i I, with my kid i had to engage it and even with the person that is at the grocery store even most recently you know i try to be personable i do speak to the person i say hello because they're Mm -hmm. getting a lot of rebuff and the rebuff is not verbal rebuff but it is is nonverbal rebuff which is just Mm -hmm. as powerful
0: well, it's interesting. It's like how we deal with differences, right? Like just mm-hmm. things we're not used to and, and we don't aren't, I mean, I had a very similar experience. Like I was at a retreat an, uh, like a, maybe three years ago now, and there was a, uh, a, a transgender trans woman there. And that was something that was really unusual for me in my life. And I could feel that I felt really uncomfortable around this person. And I think at that point I didn't have the wherewithal. I did not come closer. I stayed away. Mm-hmm. And, I, but it, for at least what I hope at least for me is that it was a situation that made me start to think, made me start to question, maybe start to look at these reactions in my body. But, but this is like pretty normal human behavior in a lot of ways. Like we're, we are primed by our biology to look for, to have like in group, out group kind of stuff. So it's, and kids see all of our differences, and so we know that we need to talk about our differences, right? But it becomes really tricky. Like, um, you know, and you know, the uh, and I love this idea of like we want to come closer. And you recommend also like going to places like, kind of like helping to normalize differences in general, sort of in your life, like get out of your, maybe if you're like in some white suburban bubble, like try to get, get, bring yourself to places to get out of that. Um, Tell me, talk to me a little bit more about how we can start to like, uh, you know, why we should push against these kind of, uh, you know, evolutionary kind of in-group, out-group kind of biases that we naturally have and, and how we can push against them.
1: Well, I know that some of the I mean, so I think that you're correct in that there are some aspects of us who I mean, they we look for similarities, right? And mm-hmm. I think that that aspect of it is normal. But those things aren't necessarily racist or racial. Mm-hmm. They become that over time, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know psychologists have always noted that children, um, even as as young as like six months, notice the differences in people, um, and they gravitate toward people who look similar to them, but that's not necessarily a racial issue. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when we look back, even in history, um, groups of different cultures have always intermixed and intermingled for reasons of survival. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, that's even happening now in our sort of extremely globalized world and culture, natural resources, what's happening with the earth. Um, If people don't, if we don't learn, we're going to be in a a, a dire situation because every part of the world doesn't have all of the natural resources and we're going to have to work together to share. Um, And I think that's where the third, you know, ABCs comes in, the interpersonal. Because all communication, I believe is it begins from an interpersonal is building a more you know, just society. and it's looking at access that stands that's a, build for B and C is cultivate. Um, and access is looking at you know what do you have at your disposal for interpersonal or social dynamics, um, what resources or networks of relationships or skills do you have access to that you can help others. Um, gain access so that they can better navigate life or a particular world. Um, for build, what can you, how can you build upon what you already know? You may not know the intricacies of another culture, but you may know certain things that might, uh, you might know some resources, you might be a connector of, of people um, or, or spaces or, or resources, but all of these can facilitate a, you know, a deeper connection. And then finally is cultivate. And there, I think that's the intentionality piece again, more specifically. How can you contribute to the mutual flourishing of yourself and the people you are getting, getting to know? And how can you cultivate within yourself a capacity for lifelong learning? Um, as an educator from, you know, doing K to 12 and now graduate school, you never stop learning. I mean, you just don't. Um, I think when we stop learning, then we die, right? When mm-hmm. things stop growing, they die. They cease to exist. And I think that um, that's where we need to to move toward is that we are always learning. Um, so mm-hmm. I'll just- Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's interesting. Like, okay, so this is where, you know, we want to think about what we have access to. I thought about that as I was reading your book. I was like, oh, like, you know, there's certain things like, for instance, my husband has access to because he makes uh, electronic music and he does, he has this whole world he has access to and like, he could give that he could, uh, you know, he could open those doors in some ways to, to show that this world exists to a whole bunch of people who don't know it exists. Um, He's an introvert. So I don't know if he could be crazy about this idea. But uh, like, maybe you can you speak to this a little bit more, Carolyn? Like how, how do we, in practical terms, like how do we how do we do this? Like access, build, cultivate. How do we how do we push against these kind of these
2: these boundaries that we feel? Yeah, great question. Um, well, to uh, to honor all the introverts out there, I like to identify <laughs> as a as a fellow uh, lover of my my alone time. Um, but, uh, but I also really thrive in, in one-on-one conversations and one-on-one relationships. Um, and uh, one of the experiences I've had of real kind of synchronicity of, you know, me having had an opportunity to get to know somebody else who enabled me to know about an organization uh, that could help this other person happened just within the last uh, few weeks, um, Last summer, a year ago, on on Facebook, I was given an invitation to attend an anti-racism training event uh, that was primarily for people who worked for the city. So people who were social workers uh, and other people who were uh, city employees. But it says they have a few openings for community members. So as someone who talks about racism but hasn't gone uh, in a long time to a People's Institute Undoing Racism event, I thought, well, if it's open to the community, like (laughs) I'll go. Uh, And so I put myself in this position uh, of of going across uh, the city of Austin to uh, where they housed this uh, event, which was at the Big Brother's Big Sisters uh, headquarters for the city, and I got to meet all of these amazing people who worked in different agencies for uh, child protective services or you know, social workers who were in, in other agencies, and it was this powerful experience of connection for me and learning to get to continue to learn uh, through this anti-racism event. And at the end of that event, I got a card from one of the the women that I met, and uh, I, I had held on to that card. And I was looking at it, re- you know, months later, and I showed up at an event of. Uh, a book signing for uh, Latasha Morrison, who wrote the book uh, called uh, "Be the Bridge," uh, and she does these uh, bridge-building communities where she uh, has people half uh, people of color, half white people who come and do this book study, and they're all they're all Christian. It's kind of a Christian-based uh, book study, uh, but she's been doing this work, and she just had her book launch. And there, on this panel, on this stage, was this woman whose card I had just seen, and I had met. Few months prior, and she's uh, she apparently was one of the earliest members of, of this Be the Bridge group. And so, afterwards, I got to connect with her, and I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, great, great to see you. And then, months later, with everything that's going on after the murder of George Floyd, she's leading some events in Austin to, to do uh, protests, and we connect online again. And uh, I, I know of her as someone who works in social services. Meanwhile, I have this acquaintance that I've been getting to know, a woman who uh, I, I've asked to come help me clean my house. I've got two kids and a husband, but we are not all on the same page when it comes to getting our house clean. So, you know, I finally am like, okay, I just need to acknowledge we need some help with this. So she's been helping us clean the house. She'll come every so often on a regular basis. Uh, and we'll get to talking her spanish uh, I mean her English is not great, my Spanish is not great, but we are able to have conversation, and I've gotten to know about her family and you know her kids, and uh, we have this this relationship um, but uh, about a month or so ago, um, she just shares with me that you know she has left her her husband after. Uh, over a dozen years of, of, of realizing she needed to leave him, and you know she's telling me her her story and her experiences, and it's this really kind of heavy moment uh, for me. Uh, and after she leaves that day, I think, gosh, I, you know I wonder if this person that I've met who is this so- social worker would have any idea of resources that could help this person. Mm-hmm and i connect with her over over facebook and she says you know i've just switched agencies this is the agency i work for now that's exactly the kind of person that we help right now how serendipitous right yeah and so it was this this beautiful moment of me being able to access resources because i had built these other relationships that could then help this woman get additional support and help. So, um, all of that took a little bit of courage of saying I'm going to be in uncomfortable places and learn more about, uh, different things that are going on in my city and be able to develop a relationship with someone who we didn't share the same language perfectly, but we shared the language of, of the heart and the language of wanting to care, uh, for one another through these these conversations. Uh, And that's what it takes. Just, you know, it takes a little bit of courage, the acknowledgement that we're not gonna say the right thing all the time, uh, but we who have access to resources, um, you know, and there may be people who have plenty of resources otherwise, but who really need certain kind of resources that maybe we can help help give access to uh, in those relationships.
5: I know that raising a Differently Wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
3: No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack.
0: You know, this for me. This conversation brings me back to I talked to um, Nefertiti Austin, uh, the author of *Motherhood So White*, oh, oh, last year, and she, she, you know, she talked about like challenged, challenged the uh, me and the listener and everyone, you know, to go build bridges and to look at our own friend groups and things like that. And I thought, oh, you know, this is interesting because. Yeah, like for me personally like I live in like a really pretty white community other than my immediate neighbors. Um and and it really made me sort of think and you know it's been interesting kind of like in the time since then I have been more intentional about crossing bridges for, you know, and and for me i'm psyched that i did ultimately because i actually have like some friends that are now different from me in a lot of different ways and it's really fulfilling and like a, like great friends that we just like keep constantly like talking over each other again and again and we just can't you know we end up like talking for like four hours because we can't just stop talking and it's like awesome um and i it may not have been if i had not been challenged to, to intentionally make bridges outside of my zone of the people I already know. And I'm already just kind of, you know, this person, introduced, you know, that naturally connected to, it may not have happened. And uh, anyway, I want to offer that for the listener, because, you know, it, you're, what you're asking scares people to say, oh, I should go do something that's like not in my comfort zone to go to this place. Right. And uh, so maybe I was wondering if you could maybe offer maybe any more guidance around that. Cause like, it's so interesting. Like when we think about that, like, um, you know, like sometimes I think like, I've always like had this like curiosity about like wanting to like go to like, for instance, like, a black church where they do like tons of singing like my brother like he went with some friend to some church he was like it was so awesome it was super fun and I'm like that sounds amazing but I would like never just be like here I am by myself I'm just gonna show up hi everybody like the even just thinking about it like you guys on the video can see how red my face is gone you know so is there are the like what are like the intermediary steps between like doing like the really really scary thing and then not doing anything at all because because those steps are too scary for people you know what i mean i have a a, a <laughs> student it made me think
1: of a student of mine that i had in intercultural communication in the church and she um grew up in the midwest and i believe this as the story goes her father was adopted and he is of asian descent i believe it's korean and so she really just grew up in a predominantly white space. Um, but knowing that that's part of her heritage and she started to wonder about it and her entry point has always been food. And mm. so I think it's finding an entry point that you can enjoy. And that's how most people begin to get gain exposure to different cultures is they try the food. Um, and so it's usually not as intimidating, right, as having the conversation, but it can build up. Um, in the education world, we talk about building schema, building people up, developing them so that they can then take in the next bit of information. Well, we all have to eat, right? So one way to engage that is, you know, I think in New York they have Restaurant Week, or different major cities they mm-hmm. have these Restaurant Weeks, right? And there's this all this kind of food, right? Um, I forgot what the company is. There's one of these like um, delivery change, and it's it's talked about you know, all the different kinds of food that they have and they call it American food. Like all the different range of food is now American food. Like American food is not American food now without Thai or without, um, um, Southern, you know, barbecue. It's, it's just not because that's what we, you know, everybody tries it. And so even if you have a particular cultural food that you eat, most of us have tried something, Mm. even if it's, even if it's a, a an Americanized version. So finding your entry point, finding a safe way where you can do something different, but it doesn't, you don't feel like you're completely overly but you you do need to expect some level of vulnerability, right? Yeah, that yeah, yeah. You do, yeah, yeah. You do. Like,
0: like, But that place like outside your comfort zone, but just a little bit outside your comfort zone. Right. right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they talk mm-hmm. about that as like mm-hmm. the growth zone. Okay, so yeah. we want to talk a little bit about how to talk to kids about this. You guys are mm-hmm. both moms. Mm-hmm. Kids are noticing these differences. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways that we can be talking, about kids, talking to kids about differences at different le- levels? And then also like, what do we do in those situations And your kid's like, "Mommy, like," and they ask a really embarrassing question? Um, so yeah, let's. What what are some of the ways? Well, maybe I. Yeah. What are some of the ways we can start to talk about the kids? And I want to think also about kids in different circumstances because some kids are in really diverse circumstances, and some kids are like in the bubble of people who just look like them. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. You want to take that, Carolyn? You want to start?
0: Carolyn, you are muted, my friend.
2: I, I can't start unless I'm unmuted. That's right. <laughs> uh, um, well, and one of those things is, you know, it's funny that I started off muted, but in some ways it's good for us to start off muting ourselves in the mm. conversation. Mm. And and cool. if kids bring something up to kind of mute our initial desire to or explain something, and uh, give them the full (laughs) as much as we know about a subject and to ask them more you know what brings that to mind can you tell me more about the situation can you tell me more about uh why why you think that about that person and it's often in hearing more about what where our kids are that we can learn our starting point so we often out of our own anxiety again uh, we want to jump in and fix it but rather kind of how do we mute ourselves for just a minute and keep listening to our kids so that they can share where, where they are because they're in a process of constantly adding to their schema. We don't know what kind of scaffolding they already have in place or, or need to have in place. So by listening, we can kind of first hear where they are in, in this situation.
1: One of the um, things that kids are used to, especially that K K to three, I guess they do that, is that show and tell. And I think um, as a teacher, it was something that I learned that even in my instruction, I needed to show and tell. And I think parents have to be willing to do the same. They can't just tell kids, they have to show and tell. So I think along with, you know, what Carolyn said, you know, muting yourself, listening, we don't talk enough about listening and being able to not just hear, but listen, Um, that goes a step further. But to then show and tell, well, how do we show and tell? One way to show and tell is, you know, to use a book uh, or to use books um, that show other people Or use what is happening on the TV and and utilizing a moment to kind of you know if 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 the child asks a question or decide that you want to point something out, um, those are great opportunities to show and tell. And then parents, um, I did an interview um, a, a month ago and I said, "Parent, children learn." A lot of lessons, but many of the lessons they learn are not the ones we teach directly. It's the indirect ones. Mm -hmm. So as you talked about, um, um, you know, developing friendships outside of your comfort zone, those are the things your children are going to notice. They're going to pay attention to those. You could tell them that, Mm -hmm. but they see what you do. You know what I mean? My daughter watches me in the mirror. I remember one time her being two years old and saying to me, lip, mommy, lip. And I was like, what? And she was talking about lip gloss because she's watched me put on lip gloss several times. But I was just like, oh my God, she's watching me. And we forget that our children watch everything that we say and everything that we do. We don't think that they are all the time and it feels like they ignore us sometimes. But that stuff is going on, being filed away. Um, and so so um, basically uh, uh, show and tell and and know that you know, what you do, they're watching. So those implicit lessons are just as important as the, as the direct ones.
0: And that's why I think that whole first part of our conversation kind of focusing on ourselves is so appropriate, right? Because it really, we have to live what we want our kids to learn. So it's not all nice and good to stay in our comfort zone and just stay, you know, in a situation that may be very not have zero diversity at all and like read some books, but they're seeing that. Right. So it really does go back to us to kind of like go out of our comfort zone, but books are a great way to start. And maybe even a way for us to just, you know, even to just remind ourselves, right. Like that, this is, this is important and
2: this is valuable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For, for older kids, uh, just this past year, the uh, television show mixed Dish* came out uh, that was uh, led by the, the daughter of Diana Ross. I, I heard she uh, has this show where the mother is black and the father is white and the children are, are mixed race growing up in the 80s. And the premise of the show is that they uh, started off? Um, they started off from a uh, a commune. They'd previously been in a commune where race was no big deal; <laughs> everybody was one. Uh, and then you know they moved uh, out, and now they're in the real world. So that's kind of the premise of the plot. Uh, but it's it's been such an avenue for you know my now ten year old to be having these conversations about race uh, and. Racialization and and how the mixed uh, kids growing up in you know elementary school and middle school are trying to navigate this. But there's a whole section on hair uh, and so thinking through as we make these connections with our children is helping children have a positive self understanding uh, because there's so many ways for kids to get these negative messages early on about what's beautiful, what's not beautiful, what's what's okay, what's not okay. And so constantly as we're talking about differences, using these opportunities to help our children not only accept others, but accept themselves. Uh, so early on when my daughter was, was three and we were talking about Martin Luther King Jr. Day, uh, I started talking about how... Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King had to fight against these white people who didn't think black people should have the same rights Uh, And she's looking at me talking about the white people that Martin Luther King is working against and she says mom Are we white and you know, she's she's confused because she's hearing me talk about white people in this bad way and You know is identifying herself as this as part of this bad group So I pulled up the images online that you can find of the March on Washington and zoomed in really close, and I was able to show her. Look, see, yes, there were uh, some white people who were there in the crowd. There were white people who were also supporting Dr. Martin Luther King. And so, while there were a lot of people against him, there were a few that were working for him and supporting his work. And so that's really the role that we can take. We can be different kind of, of white people than, than these others. So however our kids identify, helping them find an avenue where they can feel proud of who they are and work towards making the world a better place.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because like we don't, you know, I, I think about that, like the idea of like the that guilt, right? Like white guilt, like, and I wonder, like, doesn't seem like that's in a lot of ways very maybe that helpful to like, for people to feel guilty about things that they, you know what I mean? That may, that their ancestors, you know, it's like a super complex issue, obviously. And so many, but like, I, how do we, you know, it's like interesting, like we don't want, especially white kids, like how do we prevent white kids from having a, either a false sense of superiority because that's the culture or guilt, right? Like, and navigate between those two like is is that something we might talk about with kids when they're a little older well oh
1: did you no, want to start yeah, go ahead okay um well i mean so you know just to to there're two things about that i think um as it relates to you know there's a book about white privilege and um i think jennifer harvey raising um what is it raising Raising White Kids: Bringing Up Children in a Racially Unjust America by Jennifer Harvey. She mm-hmm. spoke on our um, our book launch webinar, um, and she's one of, of, of several people who talk about um, this. But uh, you know, dealing with white privilege is going to make p- white people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, But that's the problem with racism. That's, you know, racism, while people of color oftentimes, in particular black people in the US, especially, have been oppressed, the harm done to white children, unfortunately, is the belief of superiority. And then it then it manifests itself as guilt because their parents are not talking about it. They're not talking about the privileges that they have had. And then there's the belief of, you know, superiority. And then when you start to unlearn it. It feels like a ton of bricks right it feels like a huge weight oh my god i didn't mean to be this way or i don't want to be this way and so that's why it's important to, for parents especially white parents to talk to their kids because if not it's going to hit them with a ton of bricks later on as they get older and we can't always account for the reactions and so you know as they Kids have a strong sense of fairness they know that concept really yeah. well, and again, there goes the entry point. You may not necessarily use the exact words of you know racial injustice and racial inequity, but you can talk about fairness right and you can mm-hmm. say, well, do you think that that's right? Do you think that that's fair? Would, would that be fair if so and so did that you know and then you can get the conversation and begin addressing it through, I think, fairness because it's a concept that kids, most kids, especially under, you know, the uh, fifth grade, are going to understand very well um, because they have a strong sense of it. Um,
0: oh, yeah, all humans a strong sense. Right. Of yeah. Fairness, right. right. Oh, right like,
1: yeah. But I can right. relate to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we should be kind of like addressing these issues in an age appropriate manner so that there isn't this false sense of superiority and then you know corresponding with that as you know waking up happens a a sense of guilt okay cool thank you that was helpful for me yeah um how carolyn what do you think how do we how do we help kids like have positive understandings around these different issues
2: Yeah. One of the things that I really appreciate about uh, books is the ways that kids in reading some books can identify with the main characters. And when the main character shares a different experience than, than the kids grow up, it really kind of expands their brain's ability to empathize and to understand that Mm -hmm. wow it's a lot harder for some other kids than uh, than it is for me Uh, one of the recent books that my daughter read was ghost boys and it's literally uh, a boy who uh, is shot by the police and he becomes a ghost and he's able to see what his family is going through in their mourning but he also meets up with the ghosts of Emmett Till and Tamir Rice other boys and it's it's this powerful kind of book of, of him kind of finding other experiences and connecting with this history and also seeing the people who are standing up and trying to work for justice uh, and so you get to you get to understand a lot um through through this particular uh book uh, there's another book called esperanza rising uh that uh that my daughter read that it had to do with a daughter who uh their family was doing well in mexico and then the father died and an uncle came over and took over everything so uh, the, the, to avoid having to remarry, uh, you know, scoundrel, the the mother, you know, snuck away with the daughter in the night and they become migrant workers in California. And so this girl growing up in privilege is now having to experience the, the life of a migrant and what that's like and uh, all the kinds of things about growing up. Um, it just helps connect with today, like, wow, kids' experiences can be so different, even in modern day, you know, with kids living uh, in such different uh, situations economically. Uh, And uh, so, again, the, the ability of books to help kids understand and also to see the cool things about other kids' culture, to be interested in learning Chinese and, and learning about a friend's you know, background where the, the mother is Chinese and speaks Chinese and uh, you know, encouraging kids to have those kinds of interests so that they go beyond the bubble of, of people who just look and sound like, like them.
0: All right, awesome. And then finally maybe we can just like, like you have um you talk about some ways for us to answer those embarrassing things like why is that man so dark? Those two women are holding hands, you know, that woman is dressed weird, you know, why is her whole head covered, right? When qu- kids say some of those things, um what 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 should be our game plan <laughs> as parents? <laughs> Joy, you're muted. Sorry. I think one of the
1: things, and I think you touched upon that very early in the beginning, is that you, as you grow, right, then you're able to answer. You can't give your kids what you don't have. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of like, well, you have to, whatever you don't know about the world or know about other people, you can only offer a possibility if you have some experience. So Mm. just why is that woman's whole head covered? Well, if you don't know anything about Muslim or Islamic culture or anything like that, you can't really speak to it. Hmm. You can just say probably that's her culture, that's her religion. But nowadays, kids are going to, that may not be enough. (laughs) They may ask more. Um, So parents have to, um, you know, develop themselves. But when, you know, I think that the question of, you know, why is her whole head covered? You know, the answer, you know, can be simply it's her religion um, they have a belief where you know people are supposed to be fully covered in public. Um, but again, I think that that just comes with parents being able to um, to know themselves. Um, why are the two women holding hands? Um, well, because they like each other. They they love each other. Or, or you know, but you got to be willing to to have some inkling, some idea um, mm-hmm. about you know about what's going on in the world and not a judgmental one, but some people like have affection for someone who, who is also of the same gender and that's normal and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people, there are many people who still struggle with that. Um, but I think you have to, you have to be willing to, to, to again, challenge yourself. I think that's where it resides for me. Parents have to really be willing to step outside their comfort zone and be willing to, look around and know what's going on in the world to be able to answer those questions for their kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's about us getting us getting a little more informed. It's interesting because it's like, you know, we we have to walk that balance between like kind of like comforting and soothing ourselves and staying in our comfort zone some way because the world is crazy and we can't just be like totally informed about everything cuz you go insane. And you know that's a bit of self care but it also to challenge ourselves to be outside that comfort zone a little bit and and that's um to to just slowly progressively learn i think that's really the invitation that i'm hearing from you
2: mm-hmm. yeah and in in that part of the the book where we mention some of those embarrassing opportunities uh, for us to have learning experiences with our kids uh it takes us being intentional and mindful in order to even begin to to to, to respond. Uh, so you know, uh, there's a few suggestions. I, I say the acronym for that would be A ah, because you know, <laughs> <laughs> at first we're kind of thrown off. You know, the shot. That's uh, but each of those A's, you know, stand for for different things. You know, the first is as affirming. Once we've kind of gone through our own ABCs, and we can affirm our discomfort, then we affirm our child's question. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're right. You know, it, it sounds like you're noticing. Uh, you know that that those two women are holding hands. Uh, you've got a good set of eyes. You know, it's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's affirming the kid, and and then the second A is to ask. You know. Um, mm-hmm uh, you know, do you see other grown ups holding hands sometimes? What does it mean to you to hold someone's hand? Mm-hmm. So again, you're asking a, a, a question, you know, when you notice that man in the wheelchair, how does it make you feel? Have you ever seen someone in a wheelchair before?
4: Mm-hmm. And then,
2: uh, the, the next a, you know, admitting what you don't know, you know, maybe he was in a wheelchair because he was born that way, or maybe cause he needs it to get around as fast as, as you and I can. So, um, Admitting when uh, we're giving our best guess, you know, mm-hmm. to our kids, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that we don't know all the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally we can, uh, you know, the last A is if it's possible, maybe even allow the other person to to answer directly. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, hi you may have overheard my child asking a question about you you know I was wondering if she could ask you about your gender I told her not everyone identifies as a boy or a girl and I wonder mm-hmm. if you'd be willing to share with us your preferred pronouns uh, and again it may not be something that the person wants to share uh, but it uh, it but again shows us that shows our kids us trying to trying to learn you know mm-hmm my daughter noticed the two of you holding hands and she asked me about it. I told her, maybe you two really liked each other. Was that an accurate guess? You know, it's, it's kind of, again, letting them know you're, you're trying to educate your child by also affirming, you know, their relationship. You're not there judging them. But mm-hmm. so again, just some different examples with that acronym of, ah, acknowledging that <laughs> we at first are scared uh, and embarrassed. But. It's also a beautiful opportunity for us to help our child grow into that discomfort of learning more about the differences around us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well,
0: Joy Carolyn, I so appreciate you coming on the Mindful Mom Mama podcast. I really appreciate your work with the book and I, you know, and what you're doing and and, and just sharing it in such a beautiful way. Where can people find out more about you and about the book?
1: <laughs> okay okay um am i m- muted okay no i'm not okay so um www.abcsofdiversity.com on instagram it is at abcsofdiversity.com i mean uh, abcs of diversity um you can find us on the website and also on on instagram those are two most active places we do have a facebook page as well um We're on a little summer hiatus, but um, we'll be back. We'll be back in the fall, but you can find us there most of the time.
0: Well, thank you so much. Um, There were so many more questions I could have, like we talked about. And I, you know, I just, uh, I think these are important conversations to have. Mm -hmm. So, so, so much thanks for doing this work together and like putting this work out into the world. It's so needed. And, um, and of course for, for joining us here. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
0: I love how they suggested food as this like great entry point into experiencing different cultures, right? Like, I love that. That's so cool. I want to go to some, you know, maybe we'll go to like a Jamaican restaurant soon or something like that. That'd be really cool. So wondering what you're going to do. What is your takeaway? What are you going to take from this? Uh, as far as how are you going to bring some more diversity in your, to your life? This is clearly something we need, right? Like we need to, we need to break down these barriers. We need to do it ourselves. Like we need to do it in our lives, right? We, w- we want to change the world. That's great. We can talk a good talk, but we have to do it in our lives. Like we have to make our lives more diverse. And so I challenge you, you know, do you have all friends of one race or ethnicity? And if so, why don't you challenge yourself to make a friend outside that if the opportunity arises, like push yourself to be a little bit more accepting, even if it makes you a little uncomfortable, that's okay that's okay. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you're human. It's okay. But yeah, let's do this together. Let's go eat at some different restaurants and and experience some different things and think about being that change that we want to see in our children, right? We want to build that compassion and empathy in our children for sure. I know it's so hard when we're like all stuck inside with the pandemic. I hope that you're doing okay with everything, my friend. It's such a world, man. So going into this this fall, our our care for ourselves, our, you know, warm, comforting ourselves, being mindful with ourselves, or giving ourselves loving and realistic expectations, like those things really matter even more. So please do that practice, please start to practice noticing your thoughts and shifting them towards What is wholesome and healing for you and for your children and i'll be practicing with you and i'm wishing you a beautiful week my friend thank you thank you so much for listening of course take a screenshot right of where you're listening and let me know what platform you're listening on take a screenshot let me know what your takeaways are i want to know all that stuff it's really like let's bring it beyond the headphones (laughs) and if you're enjoying and getting a lot of the podcasts have you left a rating or review yet those reviews on Apple podcasts they make such a big big difference and I know it takes a minute to like you have to stop and think about it and go somewhere and but it really makes such a huge difference in getting the mindful mama podcast out to the people who you know need want to hear it so I really really appreciate when you do that And when you share it with your friends, it makes such a huge difference, too. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those ways of supporting the podcast. Another great way to support the podcast is to get your copy of Raising Good Humans. And when you do, you can go to RaisingGoodHumansBook.com and get the bonus meditations and things like that. So all great ways to support the podcast. And thank you. Thank you so much for letting me into your life, into your ears. I appreciate your time is precious. And I really, really appreciate the value of giving that time over to connect with me and the people I find and all the this information. So thank you. I really honor you for that. And I wish you a beautiful week, my friend. Wishing you peace and joy and all the good things. Namaste.
1: gain
4: some perspective to shift everything in your parenting.
0: Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for community people who get it? also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You will be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship,